And welcome to Monday, Monday, October 3rd. Mike Opelka here on the Pure Opelka podcast, thanking you for joining me. I am uh, getting a little excited as we get closer and closer to the midterm elections. Closer and closer. It's almost a month away. Yeah, November 8th is election day. And I wish we could actually do the elections the way Brazil and France have done them. And that is have voting on one day and one day only. And we count the votes that day and we have the answer before everybody goes to bed. But that's not the way it's laid out right now. Yeah, Brazil had its presidential election over the weekend and there were like 17,000 candidates. I I exaggerate to clarify, of course, there were 11. And um, Bolsonaro did not get over 50%. So he has to have a runoff in a few weeks against the socialist. It's going to be close. And I have friends who live in Brazil who are very nervous because they don't want to be living in a socialist country. Remember, you can vote yourself into a socialist country, but you're going to have to shoot your way out of it. That's kind of the way that works. Look it up. Prove me wrong. So much to get to, as I said, really under a month when you get down to all the early voting and absentee voting that's out there. We're so close, so close and so many things to talk about today. So many things happened over the weekend too. Kamala Harris said really dumb and racist stuff. Nancy Pelosi said really dumb and racist stuff. Governor Newsom did something horrible and horrific in Florida and we have to talk about that. Our Secretary of State made some strange comments about the explosion, the sabotage of the Nord Stream pipelines under the Baltic Sea. Was he supporting the sabotage? Is he all in on it? It's really bizarro. And meanwhile, Russia and some of its friends are discussing whether or not they should use a small or tactical nuclear warhead. No, no. And the world's got to stand up and say no in unison and shut this guy down. We'll get to that. I hope. I hope we will. Uh, As you know, I'm a fan of studying history. I'm a big believer that we learn from history, that if you look back at history, you can pay attention and maybe prevent some of the uh, mistakes that happened in the past from happening in the future. Just good common sense. On this day back in the day in 1789, President George Washington declared November 26th would be a day of Thanksgiving for America. Sounds pretty cool, but then that day would keep moving around where it falls in the week and it would disrupt commerce and farming, etc. So if you fast forward to 1863, President Lincoln moved Thanksgiving Day to the last Thursday in November. And apparently that made some people uncomfortable because it would sometimes be the last day of November. And so FDR in the 20th century moved it to the fourth Thursday. And there we are. At least we have kept the concept of being thankful for living in this amazing country. I'm, I'm all for that. I'm very happy about that. So thank God. But it's, it's kind of fun to look at it and see how that evolved. On this day in 1951, Bobby Thompson hit the shot heard round the world. 
I know we talk about the shot heard around the world, and people are like, was that some kind of a war thing? No, it was a ninth-inning walk-off homer for the Brooklyn Dodgers, and Bobby Thompson cracked that home run. So that's what that was. On this day in 1955, some media history. Same day, 1955. CBS debuted a new show called Captain Kangaroo that ran forever and ever and ever with the late Bob Keeshan. And ABC launched the Mickey Mouse Club, which if you launch the Mickey Mouse Club today and use some of the same segments, you probably would get thrown off the air pretty quickly because they used to do things like read a proverb on the air. Can you imagine the Mickey Mouse Club today trying to read a proverb on the air? Oh, there'd be hell to pay. They'd be off the air. There'd be protests, all that. How dare you bring the Bible into a television show? On this date in 1990, East and West Germany reunited after a 45-year separation. That was kind of cool and kind of cool to see it's actually worked out. In 1992, Sinead O'Connor tore up a photo of the Pope live on Saturday night on SNL. And speaking of which, Saturday Night Live was back again this weekend. I was going to play you some of the highlights from the weekend, but there weren't any. Zero. Nothing. SNL, and by the way, I thought Michael Che, one of the co-hosts of Weekend Update, had resigned, that he had left the show. Well, he was back. And nobody said anything about it, which is also very weird. Uh, SNL's making a critical mistake, in my opinion. They are trying to make the performer named Bowen Yang the mainstay of the show. Bowen Yang is an Asian performer. He's also very uh, outwardly gay and promotes it seemingly in every sketch he's in. And I think he was in virtually every sketch this past weekend, and he's not particularly funny. So um, I won't be playing you anything from Saturday Night Live's debut, and I'm sure that's going to save you time. On this date in 1995, O.J. Simpson was found not to be guilty in the murders of his ex-wife, Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Brown. And we got the heck out of Dodge after that. We were in New York City, and we didn't want any kind of crazy riding to go on. I remember New York City actually boarded up during the verdict. I still think O.J. did it, and he got away with it. In 2013, did we get a tip-off to the existence of murder hornets? In 2013, on this date in 2013, swarms of giant hornets, two-inch-long hornets. Think about that. Hold up your fingers and make two-inch. That's a big hornet. Two-inch-long hornets killed more than 40 people and injured 1,600 in northern China. I wonder if those were ultimately the murder hornets. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And um, staying with the history theme here, sticking with uh, on this day back in the day, a couple of things happened on this day back in the day, and I'm sure you remember them because they weren't that long ago. It was um, on this day, or maybe it was the day before, the education secretary Miguel Cardona said something really dumb. He talked about parents should not be the primary stakeholder 
in their kids' education? You remember that? Fairly quick answers here because I want to get to Secretary Becerra. Do you think parents should be in charge of their child's education as the primary stakeholder? I believe parents are important stakeholders, but I also believe primary. educators have a role in determining uh, educational programming. And I think that's going to be a little out of focus, what I think you're going to find across all elements of education. Since they pay the bills, they raise the kids, they probably need to be the primary uh, spokespeople for their own kids' good education. Yeah, Fairly they, quick they should. Thank you, Congressman, for pressing. That was a year ago. The education secretary could not say parents should be the primary stakeholders in their kids' education. And that's one of the reasons why I believe there will be a red wave. I think we're building towards a great red wave. One year ago today, the Fouch, Dr. Fauci, was on Face the Nation and was asked, hey, uh, can we can we all get together, please, Dr. Fauci? Can, can we get back together as families for Christmas? Or is it just too soon to tell? But we can gather for Christmas or it's just too soon to tell? You know, Margaret, it's just too soon to tell. We've just got to concentrating on continuing to get those numbers down and not try yeah. to jump ahead by weeks or months and say what we're going to do at a particular time. Bo, Bo, I won't miss you. I won't miss you. And I hope you attend every single hearing, every single congressional hearing that brings you in and calls you on the carpet and actually gets a hold of the emails that you have hidden from the American people. The emails that show you knew about the gain-of-function research coming out of China and funded it. Can't wait for the red wave. And it was one year ago, one year ago today, that uh, Brandon Brown, a race car driver, won Talladega. And after the race, he was on the, uh, on the side of the track talking to an NBC reporter. And the crowd, well, the crowd was chanting, F Joe Biden but they finished the word and you could actually hear it on NBC. And the reporter, I thought, did a pretty credible job of attempting to cover it up because NBC was not on a delay and the chant was going out over the network and it was quite easily understood. Thank you to all of our partners. Oh, my God, it's just such an unbelievable moment. Brandon, you also told me. As you can hear the chants from the, the crowd. Let's go, Brandon. Brandon, you told me you were going to kind of hang back those first two stages and just watch and learn. What did you learn that helped you there in those closing laps? Oh, my God. It was... Uh... Nobody was listening to this guy. We were all counting how many times the crowd actually got the chant out and everybody heard F. Joe Biden. And we all heard it. It was clear as day. Absolutely clear as day. Brilliant moment. A year ago, can you believe it was only a year ago? And how many millions of dollars of um, <laughs> F. Joe Biden merchandise was sold? I almost said it. I almost let it go out there. Um, I have to also play you something I saw this weekend that I think is really interesting. And I talk about how I believe there truly is a gigantic red wave coming. And part of that red wave is coming from a source that is not always um, a voting block that votes with the GOP. Not always there for the GOP. 
It is um, the uh, African-American block that will not always support the GOP. And I was sent a video and I said, can, can this really be true? Is this really a, um, a pastor, a pastor who believes that, uh, that Joe Biden has, uh, has screwed up the country? And uh, they said, yeah, yeah, you gotta, you gotta listen to this because it's an actual pastor at a church and he's up there speechifying to the, uh, the people. You could hear the people in the crowd calling him doctor at one point, referring to the minister as doctor, which a lot of pastors happen to be ministers, doctor of divinity, if you will. And in this, uh, in this testimony from this man, there is some serious factual truth that is disturbing to many on the left. Some real serious truth that is being delivered. And uh, I, I have to share it with you. I'm going to try and bounce around a little bit of it because it's a long clip. Here we go. Our nation is, is gone mad. I hope y'all like y'all's president. Because in a year's time, he screwed the whole nation up. See, when he first started saying our nation has gone mad, I thought he was going to go to social issues. But no, he went straight to the presidency and Joe Biden, and he brought some real serious factual truth to the congregation. It only took that man one year to screw the whole country up. A year. Don't be, don't be looking at me like... No, the, our nation's gone backwards. A year ago, you would pay him $2 a gallon for gas. Yeah, let's take it where you can relate. And you're paying almost $4 now because of his decisions. Yeah, it's his decisions. Two million people have crossed our borders uh, from Mexico. Uh, now he getting political. No, kingdom. And kingdom. See, he's staring at his, his audience, his crowd, his congregation, and he understands that there are people who will, who will be blindly led by the Democrats, but he is bringing truth, and he is teaching this congregation. For many years, I have gotten frustrated by the fact that the, the black vote, especially led by pastors, has gone blindly behind Democrats. But that's not happening anymore. That's not happening. And I'm really kind of happy to see that. And maybe, just maybe, the rest of the preachers will take politics out of the pulpit. Unless, of course, they all start supporting the uh, freedom, capitalism, and personal responsibility that this guy is supporting. That was fantastic. After I saw that, I received something yesterday out of Arizona, which made me very happy. And the clip out of Arizona features um, gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake, who I think is a rock star. Carrie Lake was a um, news anchor for, I think, 24 years in Arizona, in Phoenix. And then she said, I don't like the way the news is going. She saw the control from 
large corporate entities getting inside the newsrooms. And she said, I'm out of here and retired and then decided politics was the way to go. And she's running for governor. A lot of people said she wouldn't have a snowball's chance in hell running against an establishment Democrat. And now it looks like she does have quite a snowball's chance in hell. And maybe she's going to she's going to chill out hell. But she was asked a question at an event at a uh, campaign event over the weekend about abortion, because that's what the left is trying to do right now. The left is trying to get media reporters, females, to confront females in the Republican Party and say, but abortion, abortion, come on, we're all women here. Carrie Lake delivered the best answer to that question I have ever heard. Please, please take notes, every other candidate, on this one. Just for bravo, bravo. This was, uh, hang on a second, I'm trying to get back to the beginning. Here we go. Abortion is effectively banned in the state right now. Tell me, do you, is that something that you support? I support saving as many lives as possible. And what I really want to know, and I've been waiting, I tune into you guys all the time. I want to know where Katie Hobbs stands, but I never hear you guys ask for that. Wait, so first of all, brilliant answer when asked about abortion. She said, I support saving as many lives as possible. How can you argue against that? And then Carrie Lake immediately pivots and says, but what about Katie Hobbs? That's her opponent, the seasoned Democrat. What about Katie Hobbs? I never, ever see you guys asking Katie Hobbs a question. And then she follows up. I'm pro-life. My plan would be that every woman who walks into an abortion clinic know that there are options out there. They don't have to choose that. There's families who would love to adopt a baby. And right now, the way it's been going, they go in and they, they only have one option. That's it. Nobody tells them that there's other options. We want to help our women. If they're afraid, we want to help them. We want to give women health care. And I want to help people. But I really challenge you, and I'm, I'm happy to get back to you on this, when you find out where Katie Hobbs stands, because let me tell you where she stands. She supports abortion right up until birth and after birth. She supports if a baby survives a botched abortion that that baby die on a cold metal tray. And none of you ever try to get her to talk about her stance. So that, this is just perfect. Perfect. Sometimes the right is afraid to bring up the grisly, ghoulish reality of the Democrat's stance on up to birth and even after the child is, is born in a botched abortion the grisly reality of what these ghouls are all about. Not Carrie Lake. And she follows up on it here. Back to me after you do. Thank and you. tell her. I think this reporter probably is regretting asking that question inside a Carrie Lake rally where she knows she's surrounded by like-minded women. But there's more here. And, and, and tell her that uh, I want to debate this topic on October 12th, but she really needs to show up for that debate. Yes. <laughs> now, here's, a, here's an interesting trend in this election. We are seeing Democrats avoiding debates. We are seeing Democrats afraid of staring down their opponents. 
and answering questions. You're seeing it in Pennsylvania. You're seeing it with John Fetterman, the guy who suffered the stroke in May and only agreeing to one debate on October 25th, just really days away from the election. And he's he's asked for and been granted, I might add, closed captioning for for his debate so he can read the questions because he says he has auditory problems after after the uh, after the stroke. And that's been granted, but he's only granted one debate, one debate. October. Twenty fifth. Uh, Fetterman's a mess. I may start calling him Fettermess because he truly is a mess. And he's not really capable, I don't think, of of competing in a debate against Dr. Oz, much less holding up the the daily schedule of a United States senator. We'll see what happens on that. And then down in Texas, where Beto O'Rourke still thinks he's born for something. Remember when he said he was born to be the president? That was his Vanity Fair article title, Born for This. Well, he had a debate with Governor Abbott of Texas late last week. And I put out a message on Twitter saying that Governor Greg Abbott should pull all of his TV ads and just run the one minute or 45 seconds of video that happened after Beto O'Rourke was asked about Defunding the police in the debate. This was, this was absolutely astounding. Beto O'Rourke, Robert Francis O'Rourke, was asked about defunding the police in the Texas gubernatorial debate. And his answer is completely contradicted by what he said not that long ago. This is the Q&A followed by his other statement on defunding the police. You support measures to defund police. You have 60 seconds. Of course I don't, and and no one does. I, I really love that uh, Black Lives Matters and uh, other protesters have put this front and center to defund, and then also in, in some necessary cases, completely dismantling those police forces and rebuilding them. And I think the, the city council in Minneapolis made the right decision. You, you, you don't have one bad apple. You don't have four bad apples. You, you have a, a system-wide problem in that police department and only by completely dismantling that system and rebuilding it intentionally with the community members at the table, do you have any hope of, of getting it right? So, so it's just astounding to me that he even has a campaign today. It's crazy. But then again, he's a Democrat. He forgets what he said or just decides that he's going to look up and see which way the wind is blowing the flags. And that's the way he's going to go. Bill Maher over the weekend, Bill Maher, avowed liberal guy who uh, he's made a ton of money on something he called politically incorrect, even though he's just pitching the uh, left's playbook everywhere he goes. Bill Maher has suddenly decided that Kamala Harris needs to retire. And I think that was actually before the vice president suggested that the federal government hand out hurricane and disaster relief based on race. Yeah, she actually said it. She talked about handing out hurricane 
and disaster relief in Florida and South Carolina. And I'm assuming going forward, based on race, that we, we line people up based on color. And that's how we're going to decide it. I know we are all thinking about the families in Florida, in Puerto Rico, with Fiona, um, in, in, and what we need to do to help them in terms of an immediate response and aid, but also what we need to do to help restore communities and build communities back up in a way that they can be resilient, not to mention adapt to these extreme weather conditions, which are part of the future. Uh, okay. This smells like a Saul Alinsky moment. Never let a good crisis go to waste. How can we use this to put our agenda in place? Um, on the point that you made about disparities, you know, when I was back when I was district attorney of San Francisco. Was that when you were connected to Willie Brown? Was that when you were having the affair with Willie Brown? I just want to know. I'd love for somebody to ask that question. Or did that start later? When did that happen exactly? Uh, but I digress. I was elected in 2003. I started one of the first environmental justice units of NEDA's office in the country. Focused. Nobody can really explain what environmental justice is either. But continue. On this issue. And in particular on the disparities, as you have described rightly, which is that it is our um, lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions. And I don't know what she's saying. I saw a million dollar car get swept away. I saw a lot of boats that were destroyed. I saw oceanfront mansions that were completely removed. I know there's a radio station and television station in Naples, Florida that's completely gone. So uh, I don't know if this is exactly right. I think weather doesn't jump around and go, oh, let me hurt those poor people more than those rich people. It hurt everybody. Everybody got hit by this. But continue, madam. Give me your ridiculous proposal. And, and impacted by, by issues that are not of their own making. And oh, so women. we... Absolutely. And so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity, understanding that we, we fight for equality, but we also need to fight for equity, understanding not everyone starts out at the same place. So she's smiling now and nodding her head because she wants us all to agree with her. Well, nobody starts at the same place. This isn't a communist nation. Everybody's at a different point. There's no guarantee in the Constitution of equal results. There's just equal opportunity. But she's now going to pitch for federal disaster and hurricane relief based on race. And if we want people to be in an equal place, sometimes we have to take into account those disparities um, and, and do that work. And she gets an applause from the uh, sympathetic audience. But that's flat out racism. It's just racism. So that happened Friday. And then Saturday, there was a big event in D.C., a gala, if you will, where a bunch of folks got together and got all dressed up, black tie event. I think it was a Congressional Black Caucus event. And uh, Kamala was there. And a reporter tried to ask her to clarify the answer about uh, her statement on equity for hurricane relief. Here she comes. Glittery dress. 
Just keeps walking. Just keeps on walking. Because she doesn't really know. And she can't really defend her own racist policies. It's embarrassing. It's got to be very embarrassing. And this is another reason why I believe that eventually, as soon as we get to the results on the evening of November 8th, and I hope we get all the election results on that evening, that there will be a massive red wave. The other story that is just amazing that came out of Kamala Harris is her dedication to the Venn diagram. You know, the circles that overlap that show you, oh, well, 20% of this overlaps with 20% of that. I don't even know why she's using Venn diagrams, but she sure loves them. She sure talks about them all the time. Remember Venn diagrams, those three circles, right? And then let's just see where they overlap. You will not be surprised because I have constructed a Venn diagram on this. Remember those three circles, how they overlap? I love Venn diagrams. So I just do. Whenever you're dealing with conflict, pull out a Venn diagram, right? And so, you know, the three circles. And so I, so I, I asked my team, right, they're I'm fantastic. Out right now that- he sees the Venn diagram of it all. He sees that there are those circles, and mm-hmm. maybe people seem that they're a little different. They live in different parts of the country. They may be different age or different race. But that area in the middle, that overlap. And I asked my team to do a Venn diagram of where these attacks are happening. So voting rights, women's reproductive rights, LGBTQ rights. And, of course, there was a huge intersection. You know, I asked my team to do a Venn diagram for me. Of I wonder if there's a guy whose job is just to make Venn diagrams. I'll bet you there was one day a guy came up and said, hey, Kamala, look at this Venn diagram. She goes, oh, we want to do those every day. If you go to the Google machine today, you'll probably see that the phrase Venn diagram is near the top of all of these searched phrases. Venn diagram. She's not done. She's got a few more to mention. Where we are seeing attacks and who are the attacks against and the similarity. And when you look at a diagram of the, uh, just a Venn diagram in that regard, it it tells a a real tale. Her uh, grammar school geography math teacher must be so proud for her revival of the Venn diagram. Craziness, right? Absolutely. Uh, There's also a real interesting race for the um, House of Representatives, a seat in Virginia. Now, remember, Virginia was a year ago a critical point in the pivot towards common sense in this country. When the GOP took over Virginia in the governorship, lieutenant governor, attorney general, we saw the ground shift underneath the Democrats and they freaked out. We ended up with Glenn Youngkin as the governor. And now it appears with solid Republican control for all the local districts in uh, Virginia that maybe some of the national congressional districts will shift. And one of those has a race between a uh, woman named uh, Wexton. Jennifer Wexton is her name. And she's been there. And she's running against a guy named Hung Kao, H-U-N-G-C-A-O. Mr. Kao is a um, child of immigrants who came here from Vietnam. He also 
is a graduate of one of our military academies, a Naval Academy, served as a proud Naval officer, was in battle. And he is running against a woman who is such a Democrat. I hope to God he wins. And they had a debate yesterday. Yesterday? Yeah, I think it was yesterday. At a Muslim center in Virginia, in the district. And um, the Democrat candidate, Representative Wexton, was asked about transgender sports. And you have to hear her response. And then we'll play you the common sense response from uh, Mr. Hung Kao. So most, we're talking about an access possibility, an access issue for trans kids in schools. Most of the kids who play trans, trans sports are not very, or sports as trans, as trans Americans and as trans women do not, do not, do not, you know, they're not going to, they're not like the swimmer in the college, at the college level. I think that we should have rules about, about the participation at the college level and, and the NAACP, the NCAA has, has definitely taken. Did she just say the NAACP? I think she did. This white lady screwed up and said the NAACP because she's nervous about this topic, obviously. She's kind of frumfering around here. Now, we've all screwed up NCAA and NAACP. It's obvious. It happens. But I just wanted to point it out because her answer is crazy. That we should, we should not have rules under college age. We, shouldn't, we should just allow anybody who wants to be claiming they are anything other than their gender from birth to participate wherever they want. And now we have a situation that's kind of related to this discussion in Vermont where high school girls on the volleyball team are not happy because a transgender player, in other words, a biological male who claims to be a female in their head has to dress in the same locker room as the girls on the volleyball team. And a few of them complain, so now they've been told they can't use their own locker room because this boy who believes at this point, he's not an adult now, that he's a girl, has been allowed to change in the girls' locker room. These are teenage girls who are trying to play volleyball. And they got to worry about someone who has male parts looking at their female bodies as they change into their volleyball uniforms. And people like Representative Wexton, well, they're all for that. Let's hear her finish up her answer. Those rules. But I do feel that, you know, in the high school sports, it's really a matter of access more than anything else and being able to participate. And these are kids who are already suffering because they, they don't fit in oh, and they don't on. feel that they, that they are being understood. So how do you feel about the uh, Connecticut girls who lost out on college scholarships because a couple of men who claimed to identify as women swept through the track meets. How do you feel about that fairness? Where's that fairness, madam? So for them to be able to participate in sports in a positive way really helps them. We're mostly talking about little kids on the, on the playground just playing soccer and things. No, we're not talking about little kids on the playground playing soccer. We're talking about high school kids whose parents were hoping these kids could, in fact, earn scholarships because they're that good. Unless, of course, they have to compete against men, but continue. Like that. So I think that there shouldn't be a problem for most parents. I think it should be a problem for most participants. As long as we don't get up to the very competitive levels, I think that we should be very much allowed. 
we get up to the very competitive levels, though, I think that we do need to take steps to ensure that there aren't undue advantages that, that, trans, that trans women have. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Okay, now here's, here's, here's uh, Hung Kao, the child of Vietnamese immigrants, graduate of our Naval Academy, a guy who served the military. I believe he was injured while he was fighting for this country. But here's his answer to that question. It'll be short, sweet, and to the point, like me. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but biological men do not belong in women's prisons, women's shelters, or women's sports. That's all. Biological men do not belong in women's prisons, shelters, or sports. That's all. Mic drop moment. I hope this guy wins by an overwhelming number of votes in Virginia. I, I was impressed by his story as a uh, child of immigrants who came here, got through the system, also made sure he got into the Naval Academy and served this country and talks about fighting for the rights of this country. He's in a district that is like 34% minority. Hispanic, Asian, and Muslim, and they were doing this in a Muslim community center. It truly was a remarkable event. I don't know how this lady has a chance. I don't know how she has a job unless people are just voting blindly, which can happen. But we need people to wake up. All right, I got a couple of things here. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah. Nancy Pelosi getting heat for saying that we need migrants to uh, pick vegetables, crops, you know. Nancy Pelosi was uh, speechifying at the end of the week, and she was talking about how wrong it is to be sending those illegal immigrants to uh, Martha's Vineyard, New York City, and Washington, D.C., because we need them here to pick crops, right, Nancy? Right now, the best thing that we can do for our economy is to have comprehensive immigration reform. If only someone had been in Congress for, I don't know, 9,000 years and could have pushed it through, maybe as Speaker of the House. If only someone had that kind of time and power. No, no, but now it's, you know, just before the election, so she's going to bring this up. We have a shortage of workers in our country, and you see even in Florida, some of the farmers and the growers saying, why are you shipping these uh, immigrants uh, up north? We need them to pick the crops down here. Uh, I've never heard a farmer say, why are you shipping the 50 people of Martha's Vineyard? By the way, the free market will actually drive the migration of workers. There are reports in the New York Post today about busloads of immigrants heading to Florida because there are jobs paying $15 an hour, there's overtime, there's a food allowance in order to help Florida rebuild. It's called the free market economy. You should look into it one time, madam. You'll have plenty of time during your retirement, I'm sure. I'm absolutely sure. <sighs> Governor DeSantis, I think, is performing quite well. And uh, in the face of a disaster we've not seen, the eradication of buildings and businesses in Southwest Florida is unprecedented. And it is going to take years to completely rebuild. And parts of it can never be rebuilt. 
and he's been seen daily. I have to give him a pat on the back, a great attaboy for that governor. Just terrific stuff. A couple other stories I have to mention today. Um, big salute. Big salute to J.J. Watt, football player for the Arizona Cardinals. He's tougher than you and I are ever, right? His heart went into some sort of arrhythmic situation on Wednesday. He went to the hospital. They shocked it back into rhythm. And anybody who knows about that knows that's no small deal. And then on Friday, he was cleared to play. And the story was getting leaked. And and J.J. Watt decided he was going to put it out over social media before the weasels leaked it. And he did so. And then he was on the field yesterday for the Cardinals. Tougher than you and I will ever be. And a uh, bunch of prayers out for Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw, now the um, football announcer with Fox, of course, Hall of Famer with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, There were a couple of weeks ago, there was a story that leaked that Terry Bradshaw had put his farm properties in Oklahoma up for sale. He has big farm properties. And they wondered, is he okay? Terry Bradshaw is fighting not one but two cancers and says he's beating both of them. You probably should feel bad for cancer if Terry Bradshaw's coming up against cancer because he's going to beat them both. But keep them in your prayers anyway. So much to get to this week. It's going to be a busy week. I uh, promise to bring you an update from Dr. Roizen on some of the new medical information. The, um, the FDA has put out a new set of guidelines for what is healthy. It seems that Sweden has said we don't want kids to get these COVID injections. And I'd like to know if Joe Biden's going to tell the military you don't have to get the vaccine. Especially after he had that call with the hero from the Coast Guard who swam out and rescued people in Florida. But this guy's going to get thrown out of his job because he's a, uh, a guy who doesn't want to take an experimental vaccine. And that should be his right bodily autonomy and everything. So we'll see. Maybe they'll wake up to that. I doubt it. They're not very good at dealing with what obviously should be done. Common sense doesn't have a home in this administration. All right. uh, I will be back manana and uh, Monday night, maybe Tuesday night. I'm in for Simon Conway on uh, radio station WHO out of Iowa and all across three stations in Iowa. So tune in. Till next time, testudo, my friends. Testudo. 